Well, this morning, um, we're going to start a new series about moving forward. And uh, we're going to be talking about the life of Joshua. As Joshua moved the people of Israel, um, we want to talk about it today. I want to talk about remembering. But I wasn't here last week. Last week, I was moving my daughter into college in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, And um, I got a chance to spend time with my daughter's boyfriend, Alex. Is that a Caitlin up here? What just happened there? Well, Alex is this wonderful guy, and he, uh, he, this last year, dropped out of college. His parents didn't want him to drop out of college. Uh, I encouraged him to drop out of college because I have no, like... I have no investment. I'm like, absolutely, just drop out of college. Now, actually, there's, there's a story. Alex is a really, he's really gifted. He got a job with a film company, uh, Kingdom Stories. They make uh, faith-based uh, movies and content. Uh, their last movie out was American Underdog, uh, the Kurt Warner story. Maybe you uh, saw it. And so um, in connection with um, Lionsgate, they were doing a film last year that they filmed, and he was offered a position in that. And when you get a position, I go, you drop out of college if this is what you want to do, and you go do it, right? I mean, every year when the draft comes up as a ex-college basketball player, I think maybe this is my year. If the NBA comes calling, I'm going, right? That sadly has never even come close to happening. Not, not even a church league will draft me. But the idea is that when that happens... So he worked on this next movie they have out called Jesus Revolution. And the, the title of the movie comes from uh, the Time article back in the early 70s. In the late 60s, Time ran this very, you know, the largest magazine in the country, runs the article, Is God Dead? And a few years later, they have a huge article about the Jesus Revolution. And that all of, um, all of the young people who had gone through the late 60s um, experimenting with drugs and free sex were now coming to faith. And it tells, the movie tells the story of what happened in Southern California around um, the start of Calvary Chapel and all these hippies showing up to this small church that was dying and Chuck Smith taking them in and, um, and, and uh, all the interactions. And we were able last week to, to uh, pre-screen the movie. Uh, and it's actually a really good movie. Some, some movies about faith, it's like, I love the story, but it's, I know where it's going. It's, right, it's, it, it's not very compelling. This is a very compelling. In fact, uh, Lionsgate for right now said this, right as it sits, is the best, is the highest rated um, pre-screened um, movie that they've ever tested. Um, and, so, uh, and so it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens. And so in watching that movie, I started thinking about something that's been dear to me, which is story. And today I want to talk about how we move forward in faith. But I want to layer this within what makes a good story. Um, and so... Um, uh, and so as we talk about um, Joshua's life and at the end of his life, I want to read the scripture and then go through, um, go through and compare that 
to what God's story is what, and what our story as a church is, and, in, and, of course, individually, what is our story, and to compare it. There's a lot to get through, so let me start um, by uh, reading uh, Joshua 23, 1 through 5, and then we'll pray. Joshua's at the end of his life, and it says this, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all of their enemies around them, Joshua, by then, a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord uh, your God has done to all of these nations for your sake. It was the Lord who fought for you. Remember how I allotted as an inheritance for all your tribe all the lands of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord God promised you. Let's pray. Uh, Father, would you speak to us this morning individually as a group of people uh, that love you and love each other? Father, form us. And let us understand where we are in what you are doing. Build our faith in you and our trust in you. And Father, uh, I also just, as, as we start our sermon, we, we pray for um, our, uh, our dear brother and Pastor Ben with his mom. We, we ask that your kindness would be on them. That you would, uh, uh, as you have shaped Pastor Ben and how he would do anything for so many of us, we ask that you would extend that kindness to him and his family now. Uh, heal his mother, if you would, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, a story is powerful. And um, years ago, um, the writer Don Miller, who's written, uh, Donald Miller, who's written much books, we had him in for um, um, a, a church I was working at for a, a small retreat. And I remember Donald Miller, who's a fabulous storyteller, saying that he believed that God actually hard-set narrative and story within us, almost like into our DNA, like we understand things um, through story. It, and I always believe that faith, our faith in Jesus and in God, is, it's always about connecting our story with God's story. When God gives us scripture, he gives it to us in narrative. There is instructions, but there's also, most of it is narrative, right? Most of the Old Testament is prose and poetry, right? If God just wanted to give us straight instructions, and there's places he, did, he does this for clarity, but the majority of scripture is story. Now, if your faith, when, when faith doesn't work, Faith works when we connect it to God's story and we understand there's interaction there. When faith doesn't work, then it's almost like we're just taking our, uh, taking our beliefs and we're just layering them on top. It's just like the top surface. Like, yeah, I go to church or I believe in God and I just kind of order my life in that way. It's almost like that's the first, you know, that's just that's like a first step. But it doesn't get very deep and usually it doesn't affect us very much. For faith to affect us, somehow we need, we need to connect the deepest parts of our stories to the deepest parts of, of God's stories. 
So how do you do that? How do you connect the dots? Well, one of the things you have to do is we have to connect it to the past. We're talking about remembering. Joshua's sitting down with the people, and he's talking about this is what God has done. We don't know the future, but this is what God has done, and that's what we hold on to. So Joshua goes back through, and he connects the dots of the past and says, you're in the middle of a story, and God is still working. Remember what he promised, right? For years, I worked downtown um, in, the, in San Francisco in the Tenderloin, as, as many of you know, working with addicts. And one of the things that's happened, um, uh, um, I'll make this as condensed as possible, almost every buddy that was in our program, we usually had around 30 to 35 men living with us full time. Almost all of them had deep abandonment and deep brokenness. You don't get to be an addict by accident. They were, and, and, but if we, we talked about it, they were stuck in their story. And what, um, what, you, what you find statistically is AA and Christian faith-based um, addiction uh, recovery actually has the most traction. And the reason why it gets so much traction is because you give them a bigger story. You say, I'm stuck in this story. You go, what if God is doing this? And all of a sudden they look up and they go, oh, I'm, I'm just in chapter two. Yes, God has more chapters to write. Change is difficult in almost any area of our life. And what we find is that, and I remember hearing young men talk about this. They'd be like, you don't understand. My dad was this, he was in prison, this was that. I'm doomed to be stuck in this story. And when they actually connected their story to God's story, they got hope. And I could introduce you to some of the most wonderful people that I've had the chance to meet who were, I mean, on the street, heroin addicts that um, you, would, you would tell me that uh, if you met them, you'd, there's no way no, that, the, that God had completely transformed their life. But you have to go beyond that first level. I'll just, maybe I'll just put God on top of this and he'll change things. We do this in every area of our life. You can't do that. You can't do that as an opiate addict. You need it to invent. And this is what happens. All of a sudden we realize, when people realize that they have to be part of a bigger story. Joshua is encouraging them. He's encouraging them, uh, the, the people, as he gathers Israel to go remember what God did, remember our story. And there's a lot of story. So how do you tell a good story? What makes a good story? Now, there's a lot of things that make a good story. And this, today, I just want to talk about three things that I've learned in my life that are really crucial to a story that I think will relate here um, to, to Joshua's story and to our story as a church. The first one is, uh, is this. Show, when you tell a story, show, don't tell. Um, uh, um, I uh, had an opportunity to uh, write a book a number of years ago uh, with Zondervan, and my, my, uh, this was the expression, it's just burned into me because my uh, developmental editor would always say, Eric, show, don't tell, right? You're telling a story, but you're telling it, show it. Now, there's an expression in screenwriting, in fact, there's a whole line. Uh, there's a whole line of thinking, and it, 
Um, and it comes from, uh, of, of this, about showing. And, and the, short, the, uh, the short picture of this is when you're writing a screen and the first act uh, from, this, from this one technique of writing, this, they, would, he would, um, they talk about have the, have the hero, have the main character, even though they could be incredibly flawed, have them save a cat, you know, from the tree. Have them save it. And, they, and, and one of my friends who took this course years ago, somebody said, well, why save the cat? Just have them save the cat. It's now, if you just, you can look it up online. There's actually a book called Save the Cat. Because it shows everything about the character. Even though it's a person you might not like, might not connect with, when they save the cat, right, when they do something that we can empathize with, we go, got it. I'm for this person, right? Um, God does the God does the same um, the same thing with us. He's constantly showing us. But it's interesting that we sometimes just want Him to tell us. I mean, parents, you know this, right? You, we, and even the parents that we grew up with, they were telling us what to do. How much more powerful is it when they show us what to do? So God uses circumstances to show us what he wants us to do. And many times, this is confusing to us. Joshua lived this out. God taking them, I mean, if you, if you, uh, if you go through Joshua's life, right, he goes into the land and conquers it. But he was one of the spies in Israel's story. When they came, from, when they came into the land that was promised them, that he said, it's a good land, we can, God is giving it to us. The ten other spies that went into the land said, the people are too big, we are like grasshoppers before us. We will fight them, lose, and become slaves for the rest of our lives. And they didn't go into the land. So Joshua has been down this road, and he's telling, so he tells the people, remember what God did. Remember that you need, you know, to trust in who he is. Remember what God showed you. What has God shown you in your life? God also, this is kind of, this is fascinating if you think about it. Exodus 3.15. Exodus 3.15, God also said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. That God says, you know the things that I showed these men in their lives? I will identify with these men in, my, in, in the faith, that you will call me the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Remember what I showed them. God is never sterile. He's never just transactional. He does tell us, but he's always showing us. And we have to hold on and fight to remember the stories, to remember what God is doing. This is what we do. This is why we always have to do things together, because it's easy for all of us, you know, to kind of cycle down and, you know, to go, no, 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 no. We need people to give us perspective, especially when it comes to faith. Who are those people that who speak into your life? 
See, God uses circumstances to direct us. A month or so ago, we got news after, what, two, three decades here that we were no longer going to be able to meet at this building with, these, with this pink carpet and these pink. We were no longer going to be able to meet here. And at first, this feels like and sounds like bad news. Oh, my gosh, where are we going? You're gone out of here. But God is saying, no, I'm showing you something. I'm going to, the door is closed. You need to leave. And within a week, we find out maybe we have another opportunity that would be better. It's, it's easy when God is moving us through circumstance and showing us where he wants to go to interpret this as hard news, to fight against it. How many times have you prayed and asked God to remove something, and then he starts to move circumstances, and you're like, whoa, 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 not like that. I, I want you to do it my way. I want you to do it with me in the seat of comfort, right? And God says, no, it's not going to work that way. There's something about God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden that he loves to walk with us through things. He loves to show us. And so oftentimes it's, it's hard to tell that it's hard to remember that we're in the middle of a story, sometimes at the beginning of a particular part of our lives or even our church, right? It's, it's easy to forget that. Like maybe God is setting us up for something. What is he doing here? And so when we're curious about faith and we're curious with God, somehow we start to ask a different set of questions. Um, and so one thing that God, God encourages us during those times when he's showing us, when we don't know, when we're getting information, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing with my family? Why is this happening? right? Many times they're hard things. They're not easy things. God says, remember and hold on to my name and my character. He doesn't usually tell the same story twice. He's a God of tremendous personality, tremendous character. And he says, hold on, remember who I am. Not just what do I need to do here, but remember who I am. The second thing, not only does he say, show, don't tell, is that God in a good, anybody writing a good story, you have to give just enough information to get to the next part of the story. Now, right? So Joshua is telling them in this passage, he's telling them, look, this is what God has done. Here's your next step. You're going to go in. You're going to take the land. Remember where each tribe's land is. So you guys don't fight about it right? All these different circumstances. He's, he's telling them the next step of the story, but it's not the whole story. You know what most when I hear people, if, if you think about this in a story, we want, when we complain about faith, sometimes we want the end of the story. So how does it going to end? God, just tell me all the steps. God goes, just one step at a time. Why? Because I want to do it with you. We're going to do this together. What movie? Can you imagine walking into Star Wars and your friend next to you and you go, yeah, Darth Vader's his dad. You're like, what? You just, you killed the story. No one wants that. Have you ever done that in a movie? Even, even in a, you know, even if you love sports, you're like, you're like, I taped a game. No one tell me the score, right? I, I want, I, I want to experience it in real time. And, but when it comes to faith, we're like, oh, God, you know, we complain. We go, I don't believe in God anymore. Why? He didn't tell me the end of the story. If you think about it, 
Like we got sick and this happened and there were some hard things. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to give you enough. Right? Now, again, if we have a surface layer of faith, if faith is just a kind of a, a, right, a pseudo-relational, then this is easy to be mad at God. Are you, honestly, have you had a grudge against God? Does it have something to do with how he has laid out the story? Right? Do you get disappointed because God won't tell you the end of the story? In Matthew 24, at the end of Jesus' life, the disciples, Jesus says, I'm going to come back. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, when are you coming back? And Jesus goes, I don't know. The Father hasn't told me. Jesus, when, I won't go too deep into this. Jesus, when he became a man, laid down all of his glory, but he also laid down much of his eternal insight. The Father hasn't revealed that to me or anybody else. Jesus goes, I don't know. I don't know the end of the story. We know this, but we don't know when it's going to happen. So how do you move forward? Right? No one wants a predictable story. And you've been to those movies. Where you go, ah, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Oh, really? This is, you know, you've, we've all been to those movies where we check out when it's a predictable story. Here's the thing we can count on and base with God. God is never predictable with us. And jo- with Joshua, um, you could tell when he's talking to the people, there's still a lot to be told in the story. But he's connecting the, he's connecting the dots to, um, to who the Father is and what he is doing. We always need to be remembering and connecting the dots with God. Is he doing this? Is he doing that? Why do we pray? God, give us your insight. Give us a soft heart. Some people go, God, just point me in a direction. I'll see you later. No, that's, that's not, hardly ever what God wants to do. Some of us have been in situations where people say, I'm going to use God to get what I want. I'm going to overlay it that way, right? God goes, no, I'm not in that either. So let me, so let me, let me share a few things that I've noticed, and I think I have really good insight because I've only been at CLC for a cup of coffee. I haven't been here for the last hundred years, like many of you that I've assumed here have been. Um, As I've been working on this new property, it's amazing what God has done. Now, let me tell you, let me connect some of the dots in the new property. The first is that this, CLC, we've been here for almost 30 years. We have been looking for property. This is nothing new. But in that looking for property, it really did a mindset shift with us. So our congregation had a mindset shift. We considered other properties, and we said, should we move here, here? And then sometimes the answer came back, no. It's not the right time. It's not the right place. There was, there was, there was a heart shift. No, that's not where God's calling us at this time. We actually raised money. We, have money. we had money in the bank in order to buy a property, right? There was a shift in our will. We're, we're committed that maybe God is going to take us someplace as a congregation, that we're actually going to put up money to something that we don't really know what it's going to be, 
but we know that this is where God maybe is moving us. Now, if you looked at all of these things over the past decade or so, this could feel like failure. God, did you forget about us? Are our best days behind us? We're here at this place. We're still temporarily. We've looked at places. Nothing seems to work. Maybe this is it. We've had a hundred year run. Pretty good, right? It could, it could easy, it'd be easy to confuse those things. That God circumstantially had said no, he had said no, even though we have, even though as people in the congregation were believing God for what he might want to do. It's easy to say, well, God is silent. He's not doing anything. And then we get this notice saying we need to move. And within the week, a property comes up, and it is about as cheap as we could find a Bay Area property. And other churches put in on it, uh, on the property, but we actually have the money in the bank. I don't know if you know this. The joke in real estate with churches or nonprofits is that they fall out of escrow. They cannot raise the money. They chose us out of all the bids because we were the strongest offer. And that is not by accident. Because what had happened when it came, we were perfectly positioned because God had our minds, our hearts, and our will prepared. You know, I look at that property, I go, oh, no, this was not a, wow, this was a door that opened up. This was a decade or so in the making of God saying, I'm going to prepare you. And in the middle of that, there must have been so many times where people said, what are we doing? Has God forgotten about us? Are we going to be right here? And this is just for a simple building for us to meet in. But during the pandemic, I think we all saw as a church that the things that God has called us to, the deep community, right, um, the deep fellowship and how we use that this building, although God has been gracious in allowing us to stay here, that we had a deep desire to be at a place where... Um, we could, uh, we could fully express everything that CLC has been and hopefully even will become. And this, again, easy to see where you are in the story. But that has been when I've looked at all those things. People are like, oh, you know, I go, I didn't do this. this is 10 years. We just showed up and God opened up the doors. And we, we like the Red Sea opening, and we're like, okay, let's run through this as quickly as we can. Right? Yeah. So, um, so, you, so what happens to a good story? We have, right? Show, don't tell, just enough information to get us through. And then the last part of a good story is this. Um, and it's a thing, it's a thing in, in, in one, one form of screenwriting that's called the darkest night. Right? It's usually at the end of Act 2, the beginning of Act 3, and a three-act thing, that there's a reconfrontation of a dark place for that person. Are you going to stay? Is the thing that has challenged you, the thing, whatever it is you need to overcome or has held you back, are you going to push past that? That fear? Or are you going to stay in that place? Or are you going to break through and move to like this, this new place? So there is a reconfrontation, And it's this place of tension. 
Tension is the thing that builds faith. God allows us to experience tension. God, are you going to come through? We want God to give us a straight line, and he rarely does in our lives. He doesn't do it for our church. He doesn't do it for us individually. But there's usually something we need to overcome. We need to do this as a church, as a group of people together. Individually, we need to do this. If our faith is surface level, then God, you know, God is like, is just medicine. God, make the pain go away. But when, we're, when we think about God telling our stories, God says, no, the thing that you struggle with, you just don't ask, ask for forgiveness and I make it go away. He goes, absolutely no. Put on your shoes, we're walking through this. And this time we're going to, and I, we're going to do it in faith. Almost everybody that, that, that uh, Joshua had looked to and experienced went through the dark, their dark, darkest night right? Imagine Joshua when he came back as a spy after coming out of Egypt as a slave, right? Watching God defeat one of the most powerful armies in the world, going to Mount Sinai and seeing the smoke arise from it, and then God telling him to go into the land, and then everybody stopping there and saying, we won't go. Joshua Numbers 14, if you get a chance, read Numbers 14. Right? Joshua saying, no, he pleads with the people. It's a good land. God is giving it to us. Let's continue to believe. But the children of Israel failed the darkest night. That was their darkest night. So what happened? They were 40 years in the desert until they all died off. And then God said, okay, Joshua, you can go in now and take the land. God is... God always has us confront the hard things. There's no shortcuts with him. We can almost guarantee that we're going to go through it. Remember, God says he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Each of them had to go through their darkest night, and they came up. They, and they moved forward with God in faith. They faced that hard thing, that fear, whatever it was. We will need to do that as a church, we will, all of us individually. But God doesn't ever take shortcuts. No story is good without it, right? You know, Jesus actually has, like, the Garden of Gethsemane. It is legitimately the darkest night, right? He literally walks through. He is the, the picture of the darkest night. They also use him in pictures. You'll see the hero. I mean, look at. I mean, watch any of your Marvel movies. The hero almost does. They almost always do. The, you know, at some point the the, the crucifixion picture, right? Of the sac- the sacrifice picture. So J- Jesus and God telling that story, the darkest night. J- he is in there in the garden, and it's funny because Peter at the same night has his darkest night. And he denies Jesus three times, right? And he fails. So when Jesus, and then, and then Peter goes, after Jesus comes back, Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm not just going fishing, I'm going back to fishing. And what happens? Jesus, <laughs> throw your nets on the other side. Jesus meets him there. And then he, out of his grace, 
looks at Peter and says, do you love me? Remember the three denials? Jesus redoes that. And, And Peter becomes the leader of the church. He goes back through. God is always redeeming. In our lives, within our church, whoever, wherever we're doing, God will always take that. In fact, almost every miracle Jesus did, he was retelling the story of Israel in a way that was now full of faith instead of succumbing to their darkest night. The, feed, like the feeding of the 5,000. The Israelites grumbled in the desert. And Jesus then feeds the 5,000, right? And it's a story we celebrate. This time, we're doing it right. This time, we're doing it in faith. So Joshua, at the end of his life, is saying, remember where you came. Hold on to the character of God. You know, um, when the darkest night comes, and let me tell you, it will come in all of our lives in different ways. Remembering God's character and work and everything he does in the past is the way we move forward. We always start with remembering the past and understanding where God has brought us to. And in closing, let me say this. One of the things that has been interesting and maybe even maybe a little confusing is that we've looked at this new property. We haven't had a property for for decades. And we said, you know, this would be great. But the board has also said something else. They go, there was another property in Berkeley that we were considering it. We don't want to take it off the table. Why? We get a property. Wait a minute, we haven't had a property. Now you want two? Yeah, let's get a whole set, right? No, no. But the, the reason, I believe here's the reason why. The reason why is that we want to stay in a place where we're at the front end of God's story. We don't believe in the story, they got a building and they lived happily ever after. No, what is God calling us to? And in asking the question, is this the place? And why would we want to be downtown Berkeley? Because we go, oh, because how, what, how would God position us to serve the university traditionally that CLC has been called to? How would God position us to be part of this? to serve the ministries on that campus. CLC as a church, our goal isn't to build CLC. Our goal is to build the kingdom of God. That's the goal of the church. It's not to build a bigger building. It's not to build a bigger ministry. It's to serve the kingdom of God. Right? And so, wait, we build something and give it to these people to do that so they another ministry could office and students and grad students could meet and do that. We go... Yeah, possibly. Well, that would cost us. We'd like, yeah, it would. But that's how we serve God's kingdom. And this is what is, we want to stay in that conversation. It's actually what we're doing is we're actually knocking on the door to say, do we need to go in and do this? Well, that would be hard. We'd like, yeah, how would it work? We don't know. But in doing that, that could build tension. We say, yes, let's stay in this place as a church. We don't have much. We're not a big church. But we if we listen but that's the point it's never been on our our power or our strength. It's always been on what is God calling us to do. And if God's calling us to do, you never know what he'll do. Joshua in talking to the Israelites said, "Remember that God won all of these battles for you. He gave you the land." 
So God is always going to be showing you. He's always going to be just giving you enough to get to the next piece of the story. But in our lives, as we close, what is that place with God that he says, he goes, here's the, here's, here's the place that I want to go through with you. Don't be afraid when the darkest night comes. This is the opportunity for you and me to go forward together. This is an opportunity for you and your family to go forward in faith, to go from a, a topical faith into a faith that connects your story so deeply with God's story and that you tell your children and your grandchildren and they go, you, you, you change the, the, your, your narrative. That's how faith becomes deep in us. Let me pray as, as Caitlin comes. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for uh, the things that we're watching happen. And may we remember it as a church. We have, during our hundredth year, Father, we love the stories that you've been telling to remember those stories. And Father, uh, we submit ourselves to you. We submit this process to you. We submit our future to you as a church. We want you to be telling our story. And Father, uh, I just ask personally, if there's areas that we need to walk back through with you like Peter, like the children of Israel, would you bring those to mind? Those areas where we have stopped and you say, let's do this in faith, that we might personally within our families those hard things in our life, Father, that it wouldn't leave us like the children of Israel in a desert, but we would say, uh, but we bring those to you, that you might, uh, that we might engage you in a deeper faith. Might your story become our story, Father, and we pray this and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.